right, everyone, welcome into the very first episode of the Blue Collar Unplugged podcast presented by Crimson Crossover. I'm your host, Blake Byler. I am from Hoover, Alabama. I am a sophomore at the University of Alabama, and I'm really excited to get into this. I'm joined by our co-host, Matthew Gibson. Hey, everybody. My name is Matthew Gibson. I'm a sophomore here at the University of Alabama. I'm from Huntsville, Alabama, and I'm so, so excited to get this started. Uh, this has been about a year in the making for me and Blake and uh, my other partner, Jacob Pickle. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jacob Pickle. I'm a sophomore, again, at the University of Alabama. I'm from Panama City, Florida, uh, studying economics and sports management. Super excited to get to talk some hoops with the fellas this year. Awesome. So, like Jacob was just saying, this podcast exists to break down any and all things Alabama basketball. And so, we're going to go ahead and jump right into that with our first topic of the day, which is going to be starting lineups. Who is y'all's ideal starting five for this upcoming season? Let's start with you, Jacob. All right, I'll kick it off. Yeah, so at point guard, uh, I believe we're kind of in agreement with this, but I do think Javon Quinterly is going to come out and start at point 100%, guard. 100%, no question. Uh, average 25 minutes per game on seven starts in 33 games. Didn't really get started as the starting point guard until you know end of the year when we started shifting towards that. Very confident in his ability. He had 13 points a game. I mean, it very much seemed like whenever the team needed a jolt, he came off the bench, changed the pace of play, really got things going. Uh, so I think he's definitely at point guard. Shackelford, I've come in, Jaden Shackelford at the two. Uh, he's a great shooter. He is so reliable to score. I mean, on those games like Vanderbilt uh, at Coleman on an 11 a.m. tip Saturday in February, he came alive and really provided the jolt the team needed. So I think he's a an absolute have-to-have. I also think Keon Ellis uh, is going to work his way into the starting five. He's We've seen him grow over the year. You know, mm-hmm. He was kind of a diamond in the rough down in Juco. Not a lot of attention was given to him. We picked him up. We got excited about it. He actually played uh, for a team in Florida that played against my community college from home. So a little familiarity oh, that's, with that's him there. that's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't even know that. And then capping it off, uh, newcomers at the 4-5 and five with Noah Gurley and Charles Bediaco. Uh, Noah Gurley, I, I like a lot. I liked what I saw from him in an exhibition and what I've seen in practices. Uh, really skillful guy. Gritty. I mean, golly. Like, you, you see him, like, his, his expression changes when he goes towards the basket to drive or get a rebound. I mean, he, he plays hard. And Bediaco, I mean, we I think the – Sky is the limit for him. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got so much potential there. So that's that's my five. JQ, Shackelford, Keon, Ellis, Noah Gurley, and Bediaco. I like that. I like that. Matthew, what you got? You got anything different? I actually have the exact same lineup. So I have Javon Quinley, obviously, okay. as a starting point guard. Um, I think this team is going to go as Javon Quinley goes, which we saw that at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, next, Jaden Shackelford. That's something I'm a little concerned about this year. I think Shackelford's going to be pressing a little bit as far as um, trying to get his draft stock up. Um if we're a quarter of the way through SEC play and he's still maybe pressing or maybe he doesn't press, but if he is, um, I think Nick Nate Oates is going to have a come-to-Jesus meeting with him. Yeah, because we did see him enter the tra- uh, enter the transfer portal right there, like, what was it, in April? Yep. At the end of last season, he did test – first he tested the NBA draft waters, and based on the feedback, he ended up entering the transfer portal. I know he considered uh, Texas Tech. He considered – where else did he consider? Houston, I think. Ohio State was Ohio one State, of them, yep. and so Oates got him to come back. Oates did go out and travel to California and uh, convince him to come back, but I wonder what he does with that opportunity now. That's a good point. Yep. After that, Keon Ellis. If you're not paying attention, Keon Ellis is going to surprise a lot of people this year. He is such a good defender, uh, can defend almost any position. Um, Rothstein's got him as the best two-way player in the SEC. Yeah, and which, I agree. Oh, I, there you go. I think Keon Ellis is probably going to be the best – Maybe the best two-way player in the country this year. I think yeah, Nate Oates also came out and said, yeah. I think Keon Ellis is the best two-way player in the SEC. I think SEC. he is a very sneaky SEC player of the year candidate. Just the things he can do defensively. 
Um, and even offensively, he is such a good shooter, and he is so, so uh, consistent. He's um, efficient, too. He's efficient. So yes. He's so efficient. Um, last year, he didn't take a ton of shots, but when he took shots, he made them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this year we'll see more volume coming from him. Uh, next, Noah Gurley. I'm very excited about what Noah Gurley can bring at the four and five. Um, I think you'll see mixed match lineups. Sometimes he'll be at the four, sometimes he'll be at the five, depending on the lineup. Um, with Gurley, look for him to like maybe struggle a little early on with his shot. That's something in practice that's been a little bit of an issue, but he's going to work through that. He's going to be a great, great asset for Alabama this year. Uh, at the five, I have Charles Bidiaco. He is real. He is real. Um, we didn't think he was real. He no, was supposed didn't. to commit to us for about three months. We didn't think he was real, but he he's here now. He's on the team. But I saw him at Tide Tip Off. I swear he's a real person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but coming down from Canada, I think he's going to be our immediate starting five. Um, he's going to be a great defensive player this year. In the future, I think over the course of even this season, you'll see him like develop on the offensive end. And if he does, he could be um, you know, a draft pick this year. And having a having a solid five man is something we've been missing a lot mm-hmm. in yes. recent memory. I can yes. remember. I think we've had two total all SEC big men in my time watching basketball: Jermichael Green and Dante Hall, and really no one else other than the two of them. So, like the potential that Bediaco has could really be what pushes this team over the top. So, for my starting lineup, I have the exact same starting lineup as y'all, because uh, honestly, we just share a lot of the same opinions. But I have a lineup that I really want to see. And I think maybe we could start this lineup depending on the matchup, depending on the size of the team we're playing. But I have what I like to call a death lineup. And so I'm sure all the basketball fans listening remember the 2017 Golden State Warriors. Whenever you had their death lineup of Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, uh, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, and Kevin Durant. And how they went small ball and shot a lot of threes. We know Nato likes to shoot a lot of threes in his offense, uh, up tempo, fast pace. And so I have um, Javon Quinterly at the one, and we know Javon Quinterly honestly might be the best shooter on the basketball team. He shot forty three percent from three last season. I think he shot upwards of not upwards, but he shot close to fifty percent during SEC play. He really kicked it in a high gear from there. We saw. I know the three of us were all at tied tip off. And we saw that man light it up in the three-point contest. Like, no one was even close to him. He missed maybe two shots that night. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And so then, uh, Jaden Shackelford, another shooter. He's a high-volume shooter. So, like, he he shot only 34% last year, but I think he shot, like, six or seven threes a game. So if he gets an open look, he's going to take it. He has the undisputed green light from Nate Oates. And so he's always going to take the open shot. And whenever he gets hot, it is dangerous for opposing teams. I really think of the uh, the SEC championship game last year against LSU. He started lighting it up on that end uh, towards the end of the game, and it really helped push us to a win. And so um, those are similar to y'all. I also have Keon Ellis. We're going to need him for defensive purposes. Also, another good shooter, 39% last year. Um, the one difference I have is I have uh, incoming five-star freshman J.D. Davison in this lineup. And so uh, J.D. Davison is going to add a whole – new element to this offense one he can uh his ability to drive inside is absolutely unmatched he's strong he's 6'3 I don't know what is he like 1 195 200 pounds he's 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 kind of bulky he's he's a yeah he's a broad shouldered guard and um I wasn't able to be at the exhibition game but I know Jacob you can speak to this didn't he have a ton of finishes inside at the exhibition game oh yeah I mean we we didn't shoot well in the exhibition game which that that's going to happen sometimes preseason scrimmage but 
JD took over. I mean, you had an 18 year old kid come in in his first, like, I guess second after the Georgia Tech scrimmage, uh, but come in and just, I mean, tear it up, get to the basket no matter what, just strong finisher. Um, it was, yeah, uh, lots of good things to expect. From exactly. Him. And another reason I'm really excited to see him hopefully see this lineup on the court is at the end of the uh, exhibition against Louisiana. Davison is the one that had his ball, the ball in his hands at the end of the game. He was the one that Oates was trusting as our closer. Granted, Javon Quinterly was out for that game, but still the trust he had in a freshman. And uh, Davison knocked down two free throws at the end of the game to seal it. And so uh, that, as well as his leaping ability, just the amount of uh, ways like defenses will have to focus on Davison as he drives, they'll collapse, he can kick, he has great, great vision. Um, as a passer, Nate Oates said he's one of the best passers he's ever seen already, and he's only a freshman, hasn't even played a real college game yet. So that just makes me super excited to see him in this lineup. Imagine Davison driving, the defense collapsing, and him being able to find Quinterly, Shackleford, or Ellis all on the wing for a three. That's just perfect offense. That's what Nate Oates, I know, is going to love to run. And then at the five, uh, we need someone with a little bit of size. I went with Gurley for this lineup uh, because Gurley's a career 34% uh, three-point shooter. Um, he can add that uh, like pick and pop element. He can uh, he's able to add a little bit of size, um, little toughness down low. And so yeah, my starting or n- not necessarily starting five, but a lineup I want to see would be Javon Quinterly, Jaden Shackelford, Keon Ellis, J.D. Davison, and Noah Gurley. All right, so now we're going to move into our next topic for the day. Uh, We just talked about starting lineups, but now we're going to talk about uh, this absolutely brutal schedule that we have. Um, So I'm sure a lot of y'all listening know, but Alabama has undoubtedly the hardest schedule in college basketball. The non-conference schedule is ridiculous. The SEC is going to be really good this year. Um, Nate Oates has even made comments about wondering if he went overboard with scheduling this. Um, so each of us are going to go around. We all, we each have two games that we are, uh, that are highly anticipated for this year. And so I'm going to start off with our game at Memphis on Tuesday, December 14th. And now this game is off the heels of our game against Gonzaga and our game against Houston. And this could possibly be our fourth straight game against a top 15 team, because in there's a, possibility in the championship round of the ESPN events invitational we could meet Kansas their preseason top five team then you got Gonzaga then you got Houston and then you travel to Memphis and you're playing on the road so this team is going to be absolutely going through it during that stretch in late November early December we're really going to see a lot about what that team this team is made of so Memphis last season won the NIT they're coached by uh, NBA legend Penny Hardaway and they absolutely went crazy in recruiting this year like, let me tell you. First, they signed, um, well, they got both the top two players in the class of 2022 to reclassify to 2021 in Amani Bates and Jalen Duran. And not only did they reclassify into 2021, but when they did that, they stayed ranked in the top five in the 2021 class. So both of these kids are a year younger than every other kid in this class, and they're still ranked as top five recruits. Amani Bates is six foot eight, two hundred pounds. He was committed to Michigan State, then he decommitted, and then um, people thought he was going to go pro. They didn't know what he was going to do, and then he eventually committed to Memphis. Uh, he's drawn uh, comparisons to Kevin Durant in the way that uh, his lanky build, his athleticism, the way he can shoot the basketball, really good shooter, and so 
He was ranked as the number four overall recruit. And then you have Jalen Duran, who uh, was also the number one player in 2022 at some point, reclassified. Now he was ranked as the number five player in 2021. And he is a different kind of player than Bates. Duran is six foot ten. He's 230 pounds. He's an absolute beast inside. And so the biggest challenge with this Memphis team is our front court is going to have to deal with Bates and Duran. And so uh, Betty Ako is going to have his hands full with Duran. They're both going to be freshmen, so there's not really an experience gap there. However, Duran has a lot uh, bulkier of a build and a lot more strength than Betty Ako. And you're also going to have, we're going to have guys like uh, Keon Ambrose Hilton, Alex Chiku coming off the bench. Uh, we're going to have to see how they hold up against Duran and Bates. They also return uh, one of their better players, Landers Noli. He uh, transferred in from Virginia Tech, I believe. Six foot seven, small forward, 13 points a game last season. And so they are just a really long, really athletic, a really big team. And teams like that have caused us issues in the past. Uh, so what do y'all think about that game? Uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting. I would be curious, again, like you said, after you know, having the schedule that we will write beforehand, what the kind of mental mindset uh, of this team looks like. Because, you know, mid-December last year, we were a little above 500 team. And obviously... Barely. barely. Coming off a loss to Western Kentucky that I don't want to talk about. That was... But yeah. The, painful. <laughs> painful. <laughs> but I, I do expect a lot uh, from this Memphis game. Memphis was, last year, number one in defensive efficiency. About a point or two... Uh, what were we, number three? We were number three. Okay, yep. yeah. So that's 86.4 points per 100 possessions. So wow. you think 100 possessions, you can give up anywhere between 200 to 300 points max. Mm-hmm. They gave up a third of that. Wow. So their defense insane. is there. Uh, their offense will have a lot of power with that. Uh, but I think it's going to be pretty much strength on strength with our offense and their defense. Uh, I would expect, you know, like loose prediction-wise, uh, that that is one of the more winnable games of that four-game stretch, potentially. Definitely it just might game. be, and that's insane. That is that is nuts. Uh, it's wild, but I do think that's one of the more winnable games yeah. going on the road to Memphis, uh, December 14th. It's going to be intense. Um, I believe by that point we'll have kind of found our rhythm offensively. At I, least I in the hope right. With I mean, we certainly are going to be poked and prodded enough to find the rhythm. Very true. We'll have to or else we're going to get run off the court. But, yeah, yeah I, I expect we could win that um, close by about four or five points down the stretch. I uh, look for – Hope we can all go to three. that game. I yeah. know we've been talking about that. I hope that works out. That is the plan. All right, Matthew, so what you got for your first game? I have the Colorado State game. Um, this is going to be a game. It's going to be very, very guard-centric. Um, Colorado State, they return everybody that averaged over two points a game this year. That includes Isaiah Stevens, who's going to be a um, conference player of the year favorite. Uh, he's a junior, averaged 15 points a game last year. Um, they return David Roddy, 15.9 points a game, 9.4 rebounds a game. Um uh, Nico Medved, he's very sound offensive mind. This is going to be a very tough game for Alabama. I think that Colorado State, by the time that Alabama reaches this game, I think Colorado State's going to be a top 25 team. They're getting um, votes right now, aren't they? Yeah, I yeah, that's so. what I thought. Um, they're a very good team. This is not a game where if Alabama comes in flat, they're not going to win. Um, another addition that they, they added this year, they added Chandler Jacobs, who was a former Texas Tech commit. Um He's been at D2 for the last couple of years, but last year as a redshirt senior, averaged 20.8 points a game. This year he comes in, he's going to add to that group. He's a 6'3 guard. So Alabama, this is going to be all in guard play for Alabama. Javon Quinley, Jaden Shackford, Keon Ellis, they're all going to have to take over if Alabama wants to win this basketball Good game. thing we have a good backcourt. That we do. They're really small. That's a big issue with Colorado State. 
Um, look for Charles Bidiaco and Noah Gurley. Uh, if they're going to have to step up um, and really take over too because um, they're small. They don't have a guy over 6'10 besides Jacob Jensen, and last year he averaged two points a game. He's not going to be much of a factor for uh, the Rams. I like that. That's a, that's a That is a tough game. People aren't looking close enough at that game because you look at our non-conference schedule and you see Gonzaga, you see Houston, you see Memphis, and you're like, oh, those are the big ones. No one's even thinking about Colorado State, and they're going to be a tough out. We play them in Birmingham. We don't get them in Coleman. We get them at Legacy Arena in downtown Birmingham. So that just, like, I don't know if that helps us or if that hurts us. We'll have to have to wait and see. I know historically we haven't won a lot of games in Birmingham. I've been to a good number of them, and so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Jacob, what do you have for your first game? Uh, so the first game that I'm kind of looking forward to is, uh, that would be December 4th, Alabama Gonzaga. Oh, buddy. Battle of Seattle, book your tickets. The same day as the SEC championship in football. That is true. It could be a really massive good day for tier, or a tier really, ones. Or a really bad day. Right. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I, ideally we get the chance <laughs> at both of those. But, <laughs> yeah, I I mean, obviously we know the dominance of Gonzaga over really the last few years with Mark Few there. They have consistently been at the top of the college basketball world. And nearly reaching that perfect 32 and 0 season this year, but the Bears of Baylor had also many on the schedule. Plans. Yeah, we also played them too, so yeah, that's fun. That is good. That's yeah. But uh, Gonzaga offers a lot. Uh, they do return Drew Timmy, Andrew Nimhard, and Anton Watson. Uh, they have an Iowa State transfer, Razar Bolton, who has 59 career starts. Wow. And they also have one of the best classes for freshmen uh, recruiting in the 2021 class in school history. The man Chet Holmgren. Uh, yeah, he's he's a force. He is uh, that dude. He he is that dude. I am a little bit terrified of him. Seven foot, one ninety five. Uh, he is going to, he, you know, already being boasted as number one recruit in the nation, which he was. Uh, basically guaranteed as the number one draft pick if he yeah. breathes and acts confidently he is, on the court. <laughs> he is number one on every single twenty twenty two NBA draft board. Yes, and honestly, rightfully so. Yeah, from what we've seen so far, and he's comfortable on the perimeter too, which is massive. I mean, dude is like. Not just a big man in the paint, but he can move around. He's got a little bit of a three-point stroke, so that's terrifying with Gonzaga's offense. There was a high school game that got televised on, I think it was ESPN last year, and it was Amani Bates versus uh, Chet Holmgren. And it got so much hype that on Undisputed, the next day, Skip Bayless was talking about it. And Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp were arguing over who they like more, Bates or uh, Holmgren. We are blessed enough to get to play both of them this year. It's good experience. So excited. It, it really is so good excited. exposure for the program. Um, we are ascending, and we want to. We are growing as a program, and I think these games offer a lot of chances to grow and make that big statement win. Oh, if we could knock off Gonzaga, it would be insane. It's huge. That, that's like, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we would be instantly top five if we're not already, if we haven't won a bunch of games by then. like That, that would be the best win of Nate Oates' career by far be a huge jump start. It'd I be mean, incredible. It's massive and going to Seattle uh, is is huge and we we get Gonzaga oh, yeah, back here next year, correct? Uh, we get them in Birmingham. Yeah, Birmingham. Cuz we're right. not playing them. We're yeah. not playing them at Gonzaga cuz Gonzaga's in Spokane. We're playing the them crack in house? Seattle. Are we playing them in the crack house? No, we're not playing them in the crack house. Yeah. I don't th- actually we might be. The Seattle the Seattle Kraken's new home stadium. We might be playing them there. I'm not sure. I don't know. We have, we need yeah. to check that up. Fact check on that. Uh, but Battle of Seattle is going to be intense. Uh, it is. It is, for sure. Obviously, Gonzaga loses Jalen Suggs, but that doesn't mean that they no, will have— They're, they're just going to reload. Right. 
Like they they are to that point where they are recruiting like a Duke or a Kentucky, which is insane for what once was looked at as like a smaller mid major program. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, my next game is an SEC game because we all know the SEC is going to be back in full force. Kentucky's going to be back. Tennessee is going to be back. Auburn's going to be good again. But the game I'm most looking forward to is when Arkansas travels to Tuscaloosa to play us on Saturday, February 12th. And so this is right in the middle of the heat of SEC play. This is uh, in the middle of February. Uh, Both teams are trying to hit their stride to play their best basketball going into the SEC tournament. This will be the third Saturday in a row for Alabama with a likely ranked team coming to Tuscaloosa. You have Baylor. You have Kentucky, and then the next Saturday will be Arkansas. Arkansas went to the Elite Eight last year. Um, I, It's really interesting the trajectory that Alabama and Arkansas have been on since uh, the 2019-20 season because Eric Musselman and Natos were hired in the same year, kind of been on the same trajectory. They had an above average, a mediocre to above average season in 2020. Last year, both programs absolutely took off. They're recruiting like crazy. Um, Arkansas killed the portal this offseason. Yes, they I mean, did. Musselman, he what he lacks in height, he makes up in uh, ability to get <laughs> Eric out Musselman of the portal. Eric short. The must short. Bus. <laughs> but the, uh, the transfers that Jacob's talking about, they got this kid Chris Likes, who averaged 15 points a game at Miami. They have another transfer from South Dakota, who averaged 21 points a game. They have another transfer from Pitt, who averaged 14 points a game. Their entire starting lineup, for the most part, is going to be made up of transfers who were all very good at their respective schools. Then they also bring back uh, Devontae Davis, who contributed really well as a freshman last year. He got overshadowed a little bit by Moses Moody, who obviously was a lottery pick in the NBA. And then J.D. Note, the reigning SEC Sixth Man of the Year. It should have been Javon Quinterly last year. Absolutely. But we'll move on from that. It's fine. But J.D. Note, reigning SEC Sixth Man of the Year, coming back. So... That's all going to be huge for them. They're also returning Jalen Williams, who was a freshman last year, uh, gave us fits in the paint both times we played them. But the uh, the matchups last year when we played each other, they were both lopsided. They came to Tuscaloosa in January. We beat them 90-59. to That's the game where John Petty set the program record for most threes made in his career. And then we went to Arkansas in late February. We lost 81-66. to And so everyone thought that uh, both of these programs wanted another piece of each other. We got to the SEC championship. They couldn't take care of business. Would they you, lost to LSU. Would you say they fell a little short? I, I would say they fell a little short. Yeah, good. Um, so and then also they have Connor Vanover, who's like seven foot seventy. I don't know. He's really tall. Um, so we have to deal with that. Maybe Keon Ambrose Hilton will be a little nicer to him this time around than he did last year. But that that's my most excited conference game or my my second game on the list. Matthew, what do you have? For me, I have the Auburn Tiger game. The additions that Auburn made this offseason was absolutely insane. Um, you know, they signed 6'10", 220-pound forward Jabari Smith Jr., um, highest recruit in Auburn history. Uh, he's going to be an immediate starter, and honestly, I personally, I think, will win SEC uh, freshman of the year. Um, I compare him to Michigan State star Jaron Jackson Jr. They add Zepp Jasper. Uh, he, oh, my goodness, that kid is dynamite. Um Lockdown defender. Absolutely. Jasper averaged 15.6 points a game in the CAA last year. Um, he'll, he'll be a big scoring boost and first guard off the bench for Auburn, I think. Don't um, forget don't forget Flanagan. No, you can't forget Alan Flanagan. <laughs> I think Alan Flanagan um, has the upside of a late lottery pick. Very good defender. He absolutely does. Um, 
Additionally, they added Georgia Tech transfer Katie Johnson. Katie Johnson is going to have a huge year. You mean um, Georgia transfer, but yep. yeah. Yep. Is that not what I said? You said Georgia Tech. <laughs> oh, I said Georgia Tech. My yeah, bad. but Georgia transfer Katie Johnson. That kid, that kid's really good. And then someone people aren't talking a lot about is Wendell Green Jr. Uh, Wendell Green Jr. transfer in from Eastern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Averaged 15.8 points a game last year. Um, he'll probably be Auburn's starting point guard. Last year, he was all OVC, and he guided EKU to 22-7 and seven season last year. And with every Auburn game, there is going to be a lot of hate. Oh, and yeah. this is going to be a night game. It's going to be 8 o'clock on ESPN. Um, prime time, baby. Prime time. Auburn's going to be, unfortunately, very good this year. I, think I picked them to finish. I think people are underrating Auburn in the preseason. Yeah. I picked them to finish third in the conference. I don't know where y'all picked them to finish. Yeah, I picked them fourth right behind Alabama. But... Um, yeah, we didn't even mention the. Did you did you mention Walker Kessler? Yeah, the, Walker Kessler, if, the transfer in from North Carolina, seven foot one, I think, former yeah. five star recruit. Yep. Like their their front court's gonna be really good. Well, let me tell you, there's every year for Alabama fans, there's always one guy that you love to hate. Walker Kessler is going to be that guy. Mine is still Connor Vanover. I still Mine hate Connor Vanover. Connor Vanover. I still but, hate Connor Vanover. You know, but yes, Walker Kessler is going to be that guy. But. Bruce Pearl added a lot of talented pieces to the puzzle. Um, I think it'll take some time just to see how well they all fit together. But I think Auburn finishes in the upper half of a deep SEC of the season. Um, they feel like a team that has a wide range of possibilities. Still, I think the floor of outcomes should, at the very least, be an NCAA tournament team with upside of being you know, first in the SEC by the end of the year. Yeah, but who cares because Bruce Pearl is fat. Bruce Pearl is fat. It's, it's a true statement. Anyway. True statement. Uh, yeah, I, I am a little bit worried about that Katie Johnson matchup. He did drop 24 uh, against us. Last year in Coleman. Uh, now they did lose that game by. We lost. We beat them by thirty. So Darius Miles effectively well. ended their program last year. That is true. Georgia basketball is effectively done. Uh, go ahead and wrap Georgia's going to be bad. We didn't even talk about that. Georgia, uh, we don't need to talk about that. They're going to be terrible. Again, the SEC East. Except Matthew bad. picked them to finish eighth in the conference. What do you have to that say was to a yourself? Mistake. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have them. I think I had them thirteenth actually. Um, this man is lying. He picked them to finish eighth in the conference. He doesn't want to own up to it. Listen. Listen, I filled that out very fast in a rush, and I accidentally picked Georgia eighth. If but Georgia finishes with two SEC wins, I will be cho- I will be shocked. If Georgia finishes let's, let's higher at the schedule. than eighth, I will go jump in the Lakeside Lake personally. Uh, higher than folks, eighth, higher you don't have to worry about that. That's have, like exactly. not even a bet. Exactly. If they finish higher than twelfth, you should have to jump in the Lakeside Lake. I'd be down for that. Okay. Honestly, book it. It's on recording. I know. Like, th- yeah. I'm completely the People know. That. You're making the bet. People will come to collect. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Excellent. Stand Excellent. By. Jacob, what is your what is your last game that you are most looking forward to? Uh, my last game would be Kentucky at home. We did get the Ooh. best of Kentucky last year. It swept them. Uh, first time. It's been a while. Ever? I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was since 87-88, I believe. Goodness. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I know it's at least been since it's then. It's been a while. Uh Huge, huge games this year against them. Last year, we did get them on an injury downswing. Uh, everybody was kind of saying, don't count Kentucky out yet, and I think that was fair. They they never proved uh, what they were getting or that they could ever really get there, but they kind of do a, a reset this year on their team, honestly. I mean, they, they lose a lot last year from Olivia Saar, Isaiah Jackson, Brandon Boston, uh, Devin Askew. But they also bring in uh, a lot with some new recruits. They always bring in a lot. They always bring in a lot. That's I mean, nothing new. As, as we talked about, they, they just literally just restock and reload. So I think that uh, that Saturday, I believe it is February 4th, uh, the week after the Baylor 
it's the yeah that three where we go Arkansas Baylor Kentucky uh, that's three big games I Kentucky as a program this year will be roaring back and kind of as far as like the blue bloods of college basketball go uh, Duke and UNC are down more or less Duke may be back this year but as far as coaches if you think Bill Self uh, John Calipari mm-hmm. Coach K and Roy Williams and obviously you know those are kind of downfallen and John Calipari is still standing so I I would expect a lot from them and that Kentucky game I mean that's just going to be a, a barn burner we are going to play them they're going to play us close we're going to play them close um, I, I think we'll split I do think we'll win the home matchup and probably lose in Rep Arena for an early Saturday tip but that is a game certainly to be uh, very excited about circle it on your calendar make sure you're at Coleman be there okay so for this last segment uh, we're going to talk about what should be everyone's favorite player on the team. I know it's our three favorite player on the team, and that is Jawan Gary. Jawan Gary. Yes, Jawan Gary. And so we all saw last year he came off the bench. Uh, he was coming off an ACL tear, and he kind of served as that uh, spark plug off the bench and became a fan favorite over the season. He worked hard. He got offensive rebounds when he was undersized at 6'6". Uh, he was able to run the floor. He could finish well in transition. Didn't shoot the ball well, but he didn't have to shoot the ball well. Jacob, you looked up his three-point statistics. What were they? Uh, he only took nine. However, he did make one, so one for nine. That's 11%. That's better than 0 for 9. That is better than 0 for 9. Uh, and honestly, from what we've heard from practice and what it seems like from Oates and the staff, I mean, Jawan Gary's offense allegedly has improved greatly. And... That's nice. Not to get too analytical in a fun segment, but if we have a good shooting four, you know, that's a good option. If uh, Gurley can't get the three going one game, Gary becomes the shooting spark plug off the bench. I would like to make an edit to my death lineup from earlier in the show. I'm going to have Quinterly, Shackelford, Davison, Ellis, and Gary. That's my that's my death lineup. I like that. Because uh, I remember Gary Gary's defense off the bench was incredible, too. Like, uh I was at we were at the SEC championship uh in Nashville in the SEC tournament and Gary played a lot of the first half and even towards the end of the first half he was the one guarding Javante Smart one of the best scoring guards in the SEC locked him up he couldn't even get a shot off at the end of the half like he shot it off one foot fading away and like that that Clamps. defense that defense is so valuable coming off the bench I think he's going to be the second man off the bench this year because we obviously have the starting five plus probably J.D. Davison or Shackelford or Ellis or whoever is the first man off the bench. We essentially have a starting six with how loaded our backcourt is. But Gary is going to be like the front court rotational piece. I'm excited to see him uh, in our first game against Louisiana Tech matched up with their best player, Kenny Lofton. Uh, Matthew, tell us a little bit about Kenny Lofton. Kenny Lofton is gigantic. He's fat. He's a large He's man. A large human being. Large. He's huge. He's six seven. How much does he weigh? I think two seventy five. Yeah, two seventy five. Yeah, he's that, an offensive lineman. He's not muscle. Yeah, he he like Alabama fans look at look at Evan Neal, our left tackle. He is Evan Neal's height, but take away like thirty pounds, and that's their that's Louisiana Tech's power forward. He played in the uh, under nineteen World Cup on Team USA this past summer. Averaged 13 points a game and won gold. And I think had 16 points in the championship yep. game. Like that, that's just insane. So that's going to be 
a pretty difficult matchup for Alabama in the first game. A good matchup for Jawan Gary. I think that's going to be his job all game is just matching up with Lofton because while Gary doesn't necessarily have the height or the the size to match up with the biggest of centers, he absolutely has the strength. Uh, and also he provides a mismatch on the other end because Gary is one of the more athletic players on the team. He's quick. And so he's quick. He can jump. He can jump out of the gym. He I think he caught a lob in like the last four or five Oh, six games. Yeah. The, the, he and Quinterly ran the lob, and I believe it was Quinterly most times. Like, JQ would come in off the bench whenever he started to start, and Gary would come in, and like we'd be on a run, and what would start the run or like solidify the run and make the other team take a timeout was a Quinterly to Gary lob. Like, yeah, that there, was the, the amount of timeouts that came after a Gary lob were just incredible. Yeah, the ratio of Gary points to timeouts called by the other team is very high. I would almost say one to one. That's a good ratio. Yeah, it's a really it's good ideal. ratio. All right, so we're going to go around. I want uh, score predictions for Alabama and Louisiana Tech, the season opener. Matthew, what you got? Ooh, I'm going to go 87 to 82, Bama. All right, Jacob? I'm going to go 79-71. I know 80 points is normally where we want to be at. Uh, I don't think we get there in the first game. I think our shooting takes a little bit to develop, uh, which that's just fine. I hope I'm wrong, but I think the shooting's there, obviously, and we may just struggle a little bit to find the shots, as it is the first game in a real uh, scrimmaging game this year. But 79-71, we are up like 75-71 with a minute left and get fouled a few times. That was stressful. I don't want that. Nice. Get ready. Buc- buckle up. No, no, I will not buckle up. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict Alabama 84, Louisiana Tech 75, nine-point win. It'll be close down the stretch, which I won't like, and we'll pull away. I hope we can shoot the ball well. That'll be nice going forward. All right, so I think that's going to do it for episode one of the Blue Collar Unplugged podcast. Uh, As always, I'm Blake Byler, joined by Matthew Gibson and Jacob Pickle. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at BCU Podcast. Uh, We'll have new episodes up every Monday, and we will see you guys next time.